Welcome to this week's Animator's Journey podcast episode. I'm your host, Lucas Ridley, and with me I have James Boyle, who switched careers at the age of 40 into 3D animation. Thanks for joining, James. Thanks for having me. Can you start us off? I know now you're working as a professional 3D animator. What were you doing before this? Oh, God, big question. This is my third career, so okay. I... Yeah. Before this, I was a producer. I worked in live action film, doing commercials, shorts, a few bits of TV, a few features. Um, and then that was about 10 years. And then before that, I was an actor for 10 years, well, about 10, 12 years. So yeah, so I, this is my now third career. Okay. I like that progression. It kind of, I feel like the perfect storm to become a 3D animator. Do you think all of that has helped from an outsider's perspective i've never been an actor i've never been a producer are there things that overlap with 3d animation yes and no the there is some overlap in terms of it's within the same kind of entertainment industry it's you're dealing with stories you're looking at how to tell that story in the best way it just happens to be an animation as opposed to live action and some of the day-to-day -day is not the same whatsoever so like back when i was producing i was doing lots of spreadsheets for like budgets and talking to financiers and lots more meetings um, and a lot of that you don't really do when you're doing 3d animation and you're sitting in front of maya um, but the acting side has definitely been a useful side to pull a thread to pull from because a lot of it is down to character choices and is that the right acting beat that you're hitting at the right time and oh does that blink say the right thing or is it just a random blink that you don't need and it's just lots of little minutia, the choices. So when you were thinking about switching, you decided to switch careers at 39 and achieve that kind of at 40. What was it about animation that appealed to you as opposed to maybe returning to acting or, you know, some other kind of performance related career? Yeah. Animation was the, probably the only thing and the one thing I ever wanted to do. Um, so like I wanted to be a 2D animator. Okay. Uh, I was old enough to, was only 2D. When I was younger, um, the Renaissance period was like, Beauty and the Beast and Lion King and Prince of Egypt and Sinbad. So yeah, I wanted to do 2D animation, but growing up as a kid in the UK, there was no schools for animation. So I couldn't really go from college, university into animation school. It just wasn't a progression uh, available to me. And I remember I was obsessed with animation as a kid. So I wrote to Disney. I still have the letter under my bed and I sent them uh, like two stills that I drew from Beauty and the Beast and one from The Little Mermaid. Um, and I sent off and said, where do I study animation? Uh, and they were kind enough to write back and they gave me a list of colleges that I could go to, but they were all in America. And as an eight-year-old boy, my parents were like, you are not going to the States when you turn 16. <laughs> so it was something I had to then go, okay, maybe it's not going to happen. So I had to choose some other paths. Um, so yeah, so animation has probably been the only thing that I've ever wanted to do. And then all of a sudden took a different journey. So then when I hit 39, I was like, what do I actually want to do? And it was the only answer that I could answer to myself was animation. How did you go about approaching that career switch? Was it something that was intimidating to you? Or did you feel like having the production background, you knew who to ask how this works or you know the next steps? What was the next step for you? The production side of it didn't really come into... So there was no one on that side. Because you were doing could, live action I was, production. yeah. Yeah. So okay. there was no one really I could speak to about, oh, who do I go and train with or what schools are good? Yeah. So I had to spend a lot of time just online and I'd always kept a, a kind of a side eye on animation and things like that as I was doing other things. So I was semi-aware of animation schools. Then as I started to dig into it, you get the normal schools come about. Like, um, so it was just a lot of research, um, looking at 
what was available. But then, to be honest, it was also looking at how much could I afford. Um, yeah. It was one of those was things time a factor too? Like how long does the program take to oh, complete kind of a thing? Huge, yeah. Like I, I couldn't, at 39, I couldn't go back to university and do a three-year degree. Yeah. I'd already done that in the past and it's just, you've got a mortgage to pay for and you've got all these other adult things to deal with. So you just don't have the option. So I knew it was very much a, a animation focused, like short term, like nine months, 12 months, which did help narrow it down to an online school. And then, yeah, that it was just then going, okay, one school is this much. I don't have this much. So what's the schools that are available in my budget and choosing from there really. So being a slightly more maybe pragmatic as opposed to like idolizing a certain school. Sure. Yeah, I think that's smart. And what were you working simultaneously or were you, you stopped working in production completely and then was a full-time student online or? Oh, I wish, I wish. No, I I had to carry on working. So I was freelancing at the same time. So this was a lot of, and and weekends. And um, thankfully I had a very, and have a very understanding wife who understood the sacrifice that needed to happen. So I could take that time away from our free time to help do that. Can you describe what those, that juggling would look like on a day-to-day or weekend to weekend basis, depending on how your schedule is like for someone who's listening, who might be thinking about how could I approach this with a schedule for someone who has existing responsibilities and can't just do it full time. What would you suggest to them? And what was, what did your schedule look like? I guess there's two sides to it. For me and my wife, we don't have children. So we have more time than other people that have an extended time to take care of. So there is always going to be an element of looking at what needs to be done first. So I knew that for my wife and I, that it was, I needed to bring in money to pay half the mortgage and half the bills. So freelance work came first and then it was, I'll take, I can't, I think it was our lessons were on Tuesday nights. It was like a zoom call that everyone would dial into. And then you would then have the week to do the, the coursework. And I think I did Tuesday nights. Wednesday nights, Thursday nights, but then Friday nights was our date night. Um, and then we did things for us. And then Sunday I had time to do kind of animation work. What um, would be the hours like at night? Is it like you're up till four in the morning or is it just a couple hours to spread over, you know, those more days? It was more just taking the time that we would normally be sitting watching television. Okay. So I think I would be finishing around like six, six thirty, sometimes seven, have dinner. So then I would do maybe eight till because at that point as well, I've done the all night and, and staying up way past you know, during university days and I just can't do it anymore. So I knew I needed to have at least a good amount of sleep to be able to then function the next day as well. So yeah, and I, I figured I'll do it in the time that I can put aside and not kill myself because it means a lot to me and I don't want to jeopardize, say six months into it. I'm so tired from working more in the morning that I, the last bit I then fail and I don't actually then achieve what I want to achieve. Was there a turning point in your education where things started to click or was that, what, was it a struggle getting going or was it pretty smooth sailing? What was that actual journey like of taking it on and making progress? It was a bit of a mixed bag, if I'm honest. Um, yeah. it was, uh, the learning of the software came probably the easiest part. I'm, I'm quite technically minded, so picking up pieces of software over the years has always been quite easy. Um, so learning Maya was, I got to the grips of where things were, how the graph editor worked at the timeline and setting keys and things like that. It was more getting my head around the principles and using them all at the same time or using two or three at the same time, but actually really understanding them. It took probably about the first six months was a bit of a struggle. And then I was doing a walk cycle 
just the lower half walk cycle on one of the rigs. And it was that point where spacing started to click in, timing started to click in. And then at that point I was like, oh, I'm now got to the point where it's not struggling. I'm enjoying it. And there was like a little kind of, oh, I'm actually quite proud of what I've done. And then from that point, it then started to just snowball a little bit. And then I think it was my last, like my final piece and um, was like an acting shop. So we had to find the audio and do the reference and put it all together and that. And at the time I was very proud of what I did and I'm still proud of what I did, but like it was a point where I put it, animated it and I could see all the elements coming together. I knew it wasn't perfect but I didn't quite have the 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 vocabulary to explain why it wasn't perfect but I could see where it was going and it was like that little impetus of oh okay if I keep going I can look back at what I've done and then see oh that progression happened so if I then progress from where I am and keep going and stuff so yes I think it was probably that little walk cycle that started to click into place I love that story because I think I recently released a walk cycle demonstration on YouTube and I don't know verbatim what I said, but at the beginning of it, I'm trying, I'm explaining that walk cycles are deceptively hard. And if you've not had some kind of training up to a walk cycle, it can be very disheartening because I'll, I'll stalk some discords on <laughs> different animation groups. And when I go into those feedback sessions, it's people who just jump right to a walk cycle and they clearly haven't done kind of the, the foundational work and it becomes really difficult to give them feedback because it's kind of like, where do you start? Cause we need to go back to square one and they've jumped ahead. And like in your case, and I've seen it with one of my students where the struggle happens up to that point and then everything kind of coalesces and it starts to make sense when you've been juggling one ball and then you add two and you're able to actually pull it off. And then that's encouraging instead of getting deflated where you're seeing all these walk cycles online or something and you're like, why can't I do it? Oh yeah. Which I, I know is a thing that can happen. I feel like the same thing happens with acting pieces too, that people maybe jump the gun on starting oh, those a bit too early. Yeah. 100%. It's one of those things where I know for looking back at that final piece, which was the acting shot. And I said, <clears throat> excuse me, I was proud of it at the time. And then now I'm 18 months into be working and I look back at it recently because I was just doing real stuff. And I was like, oh my God, what was I thinking? Like that, there were so many things that were wrong with it, but you just don't know because a lot of the time you can be so enamored with, I'm making something move. That's amazing. Yeah. And it is. But yeah. then all of a sudden you have to stop the moving part and ask yourself, why is it moving? And yeah. then work from there. And yeah, it's so easy to jump ahead, really. Is. Yeah. So from when you were finished with that education, part of your journey, you put a reel together. What was, how long was it from when you completed your first demo reel to when you were hired and your first job was there? Was that kind of an iterative process? Were you doing personal shots to update the reel? Tell me about that kind of timeline. Sometimes that's years to forever for some people and they never get a job. So I'm always curious. Yeah, how totally. that I think it was about seven, eight months graduating to uh, getting the first job. Um, and I was changing the reel and updating little bits, okay. um, trying to not going back to a previous piece to redo it, but like fixing things that I could fix that I then could see in fresh new eyes, but also then doing a new walk cycle and putting that in things that were short. But I also had, it, I don't say it was an advantage, but I, I didn't go straight into a job as in a professional job. I went into a trainee position. So there's a company in the UK called Screen Skills, and I got accepted onto their animation trainee finder program. I think that's what it was called. And that basically there was 20 of us and they partnered up with different studios and they then gave 
the opportunity to interview for those studios for a trainee position. So I interviewed as a trainee for my studio, which I'm currently at, and then I got accepted as a trainee for six months. So I didn't actually go straight into a job. Okay. And does that still exist with screen skills? I'm not familiar with that program. It does. Yeah. It's, um, I can't remember the, the deadline or the, the announcement periods are, but we were the first year and that was like two years ago, okay. but I'm pretty sure they're still running it. Um, and it's a great, it's almost like a old school apprenticeship program where you would learn on the job. Um, and that's exactly what I did. So I did an additional, so yeah, six months once I got that position. Um, at my studio and I was not doing like production shots um, I was doing assignments set by the animation director whether it was an acting piece uh, more walk cycle even bouncing balls we went right back to the beginning um, because to see how can you handle just a bouncing ball um, keeping it really simple yeah so I, that was a really useful opportunity to do the training yeah was that with Luca it was yeah yeah, yeah. it was a jellyfish okay. yeah we, I had a trainee for, I think from it's not through screen skills, but on our team, we had a trainee come over on the team. And I think it's really beneficial for everybody to have the whole range of experience levels on a team to encourage and motivate, you know, having the enthusiasm of someone new and, and the new ideas that they can bring. I think it's really great to have that diversity on a team. So that's cool. Really? They're still doing that. Was there anything unexpected when you started production work from your education or making that transition from student to professional, either in like soft skills interactions of how production is run or technical or anything like that? Was there anything like, oh, they didn't teach us that or oh, I didn't maybe say the right terminology or something? I don't know. <laughs> in production, things yeah. you can get very specific. Yeah, definitely. Actually, do you know what it was? It was more to do with the specificity of an animation pipeline. So like soft skills, I'd have, I'd have the advantage of I've worked for the last 25 years yeah. soft skills I've picked up along the way from numerous different companies so that was a real benefit um, but it was the specificity of like how does an animation pipeline work because that when I was a student they never really talked about that because they're so focused on teaching you the principles and the fundamentals of animation that oh hey here's shot grid and this is how you mark your time and this and all these other things what you just get so overwhelmed um, or even more than you were um yeah. I, that was probably the, the kind of the biggest thing. I'd already used ShotGrid in my production life beforehand at different studios, but on a as a producer as opposed to an artist. So I was oh totally fine with using that. But it was how does that as an artist plug into the pipeline? How does the hierarchy work between my the seniors and the leads and the animation director and the director? Uh, when you're in a, as a junior, you speak. Are you allowed to speak? Do you speak only when asked? If you say anything, what do you actually say? And all these little kind of nuances of like how the production side works in an actual animation studio and the kind of the day-to-day. -day. So yeah, that was probably the main thing that it's probably a really good class to actually teach as they come into the end of their training, because that's going to be the thing that they're going to be doing the most. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a good, good point. And in, in my intermediate course towards the end, the last week is more built around that and just, I'm not teaching how ShotGrid works or it used to be called Shotgun, not mm. teaching people ShotGrid, but just having an awareness of those things that like, hey, you will be told that there are, there's a way to do a thing and it's maybe going to be ShotGrid or F-Track or you know, there's maybe one or two other um, production tools like that, that if people have just have no context for, uh, they might be expecting like a Google spreadsheet or something. And, it, you know, it's a bit more involved and it's tied into the pipeline. Like you can track assets and when things are published. And that yeah. does, I just think it's helpful for people who 
are just starting out to get up to speed and being productive on a team quicker that they're not having to manage being a good animator on top of just the technical know-how. 100%. Yeah. There's so many things you have to think about just on the animation side that if you add too many things on top, all of a sudden you don't want the animation side to slip, Yeah. but you do need to be able to work alongside a ginormous team. And I was chatting to one of the other animators last week, and we were talking about how you're basically like a little cog that needs to fit into a machine that's already working. And you're like, you need to be able to just slot in, don't disrupt the rest of the machine and don't be an odd shaped cog because yeah. all of a sudden the rest of the things will stop to break and move and change in ways that you didn't expect because you don't, you're not aware of them. Yeah. I think that's a great analogy that might be unexpected for some people who don't have production experience and they expect as animators, we're always just creative and we can just do whatever we want all the time. And we're just free spirits or something. Yeah. And the reality is, oh no, it's like a big machine and we're a part of a team and we need to collaborate and make sure we're like fitting in where we need to fit in. And I was say, saying a similar thing to a student recently who we were talking about the demo reel shot they were going to start and trying to just focus the attention on what they're going to get hired for, which is purely their animation and not necessarily like, oh, that grandiose establishing shot that doesn't really show, I don't know, what are we showing here? We're not, if you're not getting hired as a cinematic animator or something more geared towards camera work or layout or mm. layout artist, um, we're going to be wasting their time, especially if it's the first thing they see on the reel. So I think just having that awareness and bringing awareness to people who aren't familiar that you need to gear your reel exactly for being efficient and what they're looking for so you can fit into that team and they can see your work and say that is that's who we've been looking for to do the exact thing that we need which is usually quite specific because it's project-based um, yeah. a certain style or yeah that's cool was there any transit speaking of style was there any transition from the work you had done leading up to the first production you were on? Were you doing like realistic animation and then you had to switch to cartoony or was there any kind of changes or adjustments you had to make in your approach to um, animation in that way? Not mainly because I would, I knew the types of projects or the types of animation that I would, that I gravitated towards and, and wanted to work on. So my goal and my goal still is, is to work in feature in that kind of stylized realism sort of area. So I focused all my work at when I was studying, have that output. So it fitted within that DreamWorks, Pixar, Disney, bigger umbrella. Mm -hmm. So I knew that was the direction I wanted to head in. So I didn't do super, super cartoony stuff um, and stuff that maybe that would be more geared towards the preschool, younger demographics. Because of that, I then approached studios, which were only doing those. So I geared my reel towards that. I geared my reel towards the work that they were doing. So that when the trainee position, all the stuff that we were doing and the assignments we were doing were still that. I then had the opportunity to do a couple of VFX uh, projects whilst on the trainee scheme. So that was like hyper-realistic. So that was then, but it wasn't like doing cartoony to then hyper-realistic. So it wasn't like a ginormous jump. And then the show that I'm on currently is stylized to realism. So it's still within the wheelhouse of what I was aiming towards. Like I did one thing and then jumped to another, thankfully. It's all keyframe as well. Yes. Fully yeah. keyframe, yeah. No mocap. Yeah. Nice. Looking back on your journey, is there anything you would have done differently? Would you have jumped ship from production earlier or oh, taken a gosh. different route in your <laughs> education or anything like that? I mean, there's always the one answer is always, I wish I started earlier, but 
hindsight is just one of those things you just have to live with. I think it was quite interesting because even though I wanted to do it from a really, really young age and going through two different careers, acting and producing, there may be, and this is me trying to see the positive in the whole situation as opposed to kicking myself for not doing it 20 years previously. There might have been something where I could have started it 15 years ago and I would have been absolutely terrible and it would have maybe been, it might have thrown me off and I'd be just like, that's it, I'm done, I'm never touching this again. I might have needed the maturity and the previous careers things to draw upon to be able to then step into where I currently am. Yeah, I mean, starting early would have been great, but I can't look at where I'm currently am and go, oh, you know what? I wish I could change something. I don't really wish I could because I'm animating as a job. I'm doing a job that I really, really love. I'm about to start my first feature next year and that's so in a going in the direction that I thought. So, you know, yeah. I don't think I that's could change right. anything right now. I ask that question just because I get a lot of the questions I get from potential students and people who listen to the podcast too are, or um, not, I shouldn't say podcast because it's people who listen to the podcast will have already known that you can switch careers later in life. Cause you're now the third person I've interviewed that has switched careers at the age of 40. And I'll get, you know, a 19 year old who's saying, oh, it's too late for me. I didn't start when I was 15. And so now I don't think I can do it. And they want me to, you know, say, no, of course not, blah, 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 and which I do. But it's this thing where I'm like, if you have that attitude from the beginning, it's going to be a struggle. You really need to have that can-do attitude that because you're going to run into these barriers. I mean, did you ever have any self-doubt in that when you started, like you were going to achieve it or you were just like so sure about this was going to happen or was there, I don't know, any doubt in terms of the age thing? Uh, I mean, it definitely came into consideration. Yeah. It was, you know, I was just about to turn 40 as I was training uh, or retraining and with doing that, the pandemic hit. You're oh, already, sure. At that time, everyone was feeling pretty terrible. Was um, that part of the transition too? Because if you were working in live action production, would that have slowed down about the time you were trying? Was oh, that yeah. a catalyst yeah. for the switch? I mean, it wasn't the catalyst, but it definitely me yeah. thinking about everything because all of a sudden it gave me so much extra time to think about, oh crap, what happens if live action doesn't start again? So it definitely aided and added to maybe the anxiety in the back of my head. But yeah, I'd be lying if I said that, you know, hitting 40 and changing careers again was sort of consideration. But at the time I was chatting to my wife about it and it was quite a tearful kind of conversation we were having from my side. And it was, if I don't do it now, I'm probably never going to do it. And I'm not one of those people that has loads of regrets. If I hadn't have started to go into animation, it would probably have been the only regret I would have ever had. It was such a touch point for me as a child. Like it was the thing that when I was feeling bad, when I was feeling good, I would just put on the Jungle Book or I would put on DuckTales or something and it would just then lift my spirits and it would just be the thing that I would always want. So that was probably the biggest thing. Like if I don't do it, then I that's be my regret. It's interesting because I you mentioning you get kind of 19, 20 year olds asking, are they too late? And I do think a lot of it, of that anxiety that they're feeling comes from you only ever hear about the super successes the savants the eric goldbergs the james baxters yeah i get the, the 15 amazing... year old who worked on spider-man that's the age-related question they see a headline like that i'm like that's yeah. one in like 10 million 20 million like no, that's never happened basically yeah. so you can't compare yourself to that but i can totally understand why they would because we're they're bombarded by 
That's the headline they see. Yeah, yeah, the headline. Oh my God, like this 15-year-old or this 19-year-old, and all of a sudden, that's all they can think about. So what they don't realize is there's like thousands of other people that are like the journeyman, the journey person, every single day just showing up and just getting 1% better each time. And by the end of the year, you're like 365% better. Um, and then the next year, and then the next year, and the next year, and 10 years down the line, all of a sudden you've had a career and you're now as good as you were, or you're as good as the person you were looking up to when you were like 19. Yeah. Um, but it's not, it's not a sexy headline, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, that's the thing. Um, but yeah, it's just one of those things where, like you said earlier, you have to change your mindset, go, is it the thing that I want that I will just re do it regardless? And if that's the answer, then just go do it. Yeah. That's what I found when I was switching careers. I was just staying up till whatever hours. It wasn't even like the end goal was to get a career, but just making videos or doing that kind of a thing. And then you use that as a clue. Oh, if I actually focus my attention a bit more and the time I'm spending and the enthusiasm I have, I think I would get further. Where mm. having that guidance, having, because when you say, you know, the 1% better, what I see is sometimes people don't get that 1% better every time, but they're putting in the same amount of time and they're not, they're just staying kind of lateral and which is unfortunate because that's where people get quite frustrated and they don't know what they're doing wrong and how to change it. And sure. But that's, yeah, I think finding an online school or a mentorship, someone who, whose eyes you can steal is how I kind of think of it, you know, take my eyes and like use that to you know, the skill that you don't have. I can't animate for you, but I can show you what I see. And through that, you know where to focus your attention. Yeah, definitely. I think yeah. also it comes down to what's the level of sacrifice that you're willing to make is four hours of, of Netflix every single night, you know, the best use of your time. If it's something, if you want to then go and study animation, it will still be there the next week. So don't worry about it. You're not going to miss anything out. I think that pattern disruption is really hard for people, especially maybe this is one of the age related kind of considerations, like teaching an old dog, new tricks or whatever. If you have this kind of habit of I eat dinner at this time, then we watch TV for two hours, three hours, and then. You know, I take the dog on a walk and then whatever all these things are. My my example of that is I had to sell my PlayStation when I started to switch because I was just like, I, you know, there's only so many hours in the day. I have to completely cut that out. It's just not even yeah. on the table anymore. Yeah. And yeah, are you willing to, to make those decisions or acknowledge that's a decision that even needs to be made is the first step. <laughs> Some people don't even get there and they're just like, why isn't it working? I'm putting, I'm looking, I'm watching YouTube videos. I'm not doing any animation, but I'm watching oh, stuff. Oh God, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So unfortunately you can't just absorb the knowledge yeah. as you watch them. I haven't, that technology has not been invented. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's, it, it's I think one of the ones where I feel like watching other people animate is kind of like watching paint dry. Like I feel like you really have to do it get as much knowledge as it takes to actually do the thing. And then you really have to be, go do it. And then you have context of, okay, now watch someone animate and maybe you get a bit more context. But it's not yeah, like one-to-one -one animate exactly how they're animating. You need to make your own no. decisions. Yeah, there's a weird disconnect between, because you need to see the keys that they're pressing, what they're doing on screen. And if you then have someone who's describing what they're doing as well, there's like this multiple levels that you have to concentrate on. And it's almost impossible. And, I and think it's a also, messy process too sometimes because it's like oh you God, could watch yeah. someone animate and they're kind of two steps forward, one step back. And I like appreciating that, that process. And also it's hard to track the through line sometimes. Like I've watched mm -hmm. four hour long demos and you're like, it's a bit hard to wait. Why? And where was the foot before? And then we changed it 
oh, that was just like an afterthought. And then he's like, oh, he saw something, but he didn't verbalize it. If the demo isn't corded with that type of articulation, then there's so much yeah. lost in that kind of messy process. Yeah. I don't know how you yeah. feel about that. Yeah, it's I'm in agreement because you think it's a linear process um, because when you're taught, you're like, this is the first step, then this is the second step. And because that's the best way to teach it. But when you're actually doing the job, it can be all over the shop and it doesn't always come together until right to the last minute. And then you're like, oh, now it's working. But you can't always describe until you get a little bit How more experience. Yeah. Exactly. Then trying to then do someone that's working on a screen and then getting all the information. It's like, there's so much going on that it's impossible. Yeah. yeah Even doing it in process. person is the same. Yeah. Yeah. Is there any kind of final advice that you would give someone who is in the same shoes you were in at 39? They're in a career they've had for a while. They don't want to have regrets. Is there a kind of mental calculus that you recommend them doing to see if it's right for them or a certain take a certain path to, that worked for you? Is there anything else you would meant for someone like that? Yeah. The specific things that I did was it wasn't even mental i actually wrote it all down it's got it somewhere i worked out okay my course is nine months these are the days that my wife and i have decided is the best time for for us to sacrifice evenings and weekends and i scheduled it all and maybe this is because i'm mainly organized left brain you're a uh, producer so, this is yeah it's what you yeah do. it comes with the territory yeah. um yeah uh, you so were yeah, a producer so like, yeah yeah so I, I kind of broke it all down so i could see it like okay so mondays between these hours, I'm going to be doing freelance. I can't get angry at myself that I'm not animating because I'm doing freelance. And that I know that's important because that's bringing in money. Then I knew that on Tuesday was repeat, but on Tuesday evenings, I got to animate and Wednesdays and Thursdays. So I went through and broke down my entire week and rescheduled it. So I knew what I was doing when I was doing and then looked ahead. Okay, this is the goal that I want to hit. I will just keep working on the things that I've just kind of scheduled. Because in the way that I needed to understand it was I needed to break it down bit by bit um, as opposed to, oh, I'll do 20 minutes here and I might do you know, five minutes here. I'll, I'll do 10 minutes on the bus. And it's like, I would just get so anxious thinking about it that way. And maybe it's a little bit too organized, but it worked for me. So I got to the end of the nine months and I achieved everything that I needed and wanted to achieve. And then I just applied that for when I started in my reel and I applied the same thing. Okay, I'll do that at the weekends. And I... My wife and I re-agreed up when we did work on it. Uh, and then when I did the training position, okay, I was like, okay, well, I'm now working. So I need to re-change my weekly schedule because I'm now working 40 hours a week. Do I need to work on my reel? Probably not because I can use the stuff that I've been on the training uh, role. And just readjusting every six months, like what are the most, the, the biggest priorities and when was I going to work on them? And, but then also scheduling in to have a life and to sleep and to eat and to survive basically because otherwise it would be completely wasted I, you would be chatting to me and i'd be like this hollow shell of a person yeah and so, it does happen yeah. to people it's a real threat to and it, people can go in and out of that i know i've been there for sure juggling too many things i think what yeah. the schedule you described is really important and just having a rational reasonable approach to the time it takes to achieve those things it's all a balance it's what's important and what is not important um, yeah. And a lot of the time, the things that are not important are maybe over-prioritized and the important things like surviving are kind of like pushed right to the back. You want it to be a career, not, oh, that was a fantastic year that I spent, like you're going on traveling for a year. You want it to be 10, 12, 15, 20, 30 year career, if, if that's what you think. And you have to do it little by little. 
to be able to get there. No, that's great. Yeah. Thank you so much for your time, James. It's been awesome. Oh, and thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. Yeah. Is there anywhere that people could follow you online? Is there any social media that you're active on or anything like that? I think I am James B. Annam, so A-N-I-M on most of them. Um, but I think probably the most active on Instagram now, uh, Twitter, I don't really go on it anymore because it's yeah. Yeah, different conversation. <laughs> yeah. Also, I was curious if I could share in the show notes a link to your reel, the reel that we've been talking about, or the one you had that got you into the training program or the one you have now, whatever you're comfortable sharing. Is that is that something I could link in the show? Yeah. Notes, I mean, I can give you, yeah, I could give the, the link, which was from 2021. Um, okay. And that's the one that got me the trainee position. Um, awesome. And yeah, I think it's a, if people want to have a look at it and see the where I was, I'm working on new reel at the moment. So there'll be new reel be early next year. Cool. Awesome, James. Look forward to seeing that and your new feature that you're working on next year. Sounds exciting. And congrats on achieving all of these dreams and goals that you've set out for yourself. I think it's really encouraging for all the listeners who are in a similar situation. So thanks for sharing your story. Been an absolute pleasure. Thanks for having me. Talk to you soon. Bye. If you want help on your own animation journey, check out animatorsjourney.com where there are courses you can enroll in no matter what your skill level. You have beginner, intermediate, and advanced. And I highly recommend, even if you have a little bit of experience animating, to start with a beginner course so that you have no gaps in your knowledge and you can move confidently forward knowing how to animate more advanced shots before you get into them. Because that's usually the plateau I see people get into is they start to bite off more than they can chew because they didn't get the foundational stuff right the first time. So Beginner is really the flagship course that I highly recommend everybody take if you're starting out and you're not sure where to start. That is what the Beginner course is for. No experience is needed. You get a student license of Maya with it, so there's no need to go buy a license of Maya as well as the course. You can just enroll and start when you're ready. It is self-paced, and I'm there when you have work to see and get feedback on. Look forward to seeing you there.